Oh, good morning. Now, sorry to tell you this, but uh, it won't be long till the shops are telling you what you need, or rather what the fathers you know need for Father's Day. 17th of June, coming up, not that long away. Uh, I realise, appreciate that for some of us, uh, that's not an entirely happy day, and if it's a painful day for you in any way, uh, I'm sorry to make you think of it, um, but uh, it'll become clear why in a moment. But you'll be told the message will be what you need, what the fathers need for Father's Day. There is one thing, though, that all fathers need. One thing that without which you can't be considered a father, and that is children. This morning we're considering the fatherhood of God. God has made himself known as a father. And so it must necessarily follow that God has children. But in what sense does God have children? Now, whether this idea is completely new to you uh, or you've thought about it loads before, we're going to think through that a bit and we're going to hopefully see that this has massive implications for us, the sense in which God can be described as father, a father who has children. As we saw last week, God is the generous um, creator Uh, In that sense, all human beings can be described as his children. He generously gave us our life. We considered uh, Acts chapter 17 where Paul preached, the God who made the world and everything in it himself gives life, sorry, gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Sorry. Uh, That's Acts chapter 17. I thought that was up there. Sorry about that. Uh, Acts chapter 17, verses 24 to 28. We saw that last week. Uh, We're all God's offspring. He created us and gives us life and breath. Son of God uh, can be used to apply to a human in this way. But Son of God can also be used to apply to humans in another sense. Uh, In Exodus, the second book of the Bible, Son of God can refer to Israel, God's covenant people. That is, his people who he's set apart with a special promise, a solemn promise. A people he's called uh, and chosen. We'll, we'll think about that in a moment. He's made this solemn promise and agreement with him, a covenant. Son of God can mean Israel, God's people collectively as a whole. So in Exodus chapter 4, uh, verses 22 and 23, uh, he says, God says, This is what the Lord Yahweh says Israel is my firstborn son, and I told you, let my son go, so that he may worship me. So this language is is used of God's people, God's covenant people. And we see something of what this means in Exodus 19. Although the the father-son language isn't used there, uh, it's the kind of same idea behind it. If you want to look at this, this is in page 76 of the church Bibles. Exodus chapter 19, verse 3. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, 
This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So there's this idea of being carried. This idea of being carried is part of what it means to be, uh, for God's people, for him to be our father. Uh, And as we shall see in a moment, specifically carried out of slavery, rescued. We picked that up in some of the songs we've sung already. But also included is this idea of being his treasured possession. Just think about that for a moment. As he makes clear in these verses, as God makes clear in these verses, in a sense that the whole earth belongs to him. He designed it. He formed it. All that exists owes its existence to him. Everything belongs to him in that sense. And yet, he considers his people as his treasured possession. He makes his people the object of his particular delight. Maybe imagine some great artist or master craftsman who creates intricate and beautiful works. And because they're a great artist, a great master craftsman, if you've ever seen one of those at work, you see, don't you, how they take great pride in in what they're doing. They don't kind of bodge anything. They might take a while, but they take great pride in what they're doing. They carefully produce their work. But among their many works of art, at this one, this person that we're imagining, among their many works of art, they choose one in particular, one thing that they've made in particular, in which they take particular delight. That piece is never sold. That piece takes pride of place in their home. They treasure it in a way that's unlike any of their other works. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. But God's special people don't have an amazing track record of appreciating his fatherly care and affection. God would later speak these words through the prophet Hosea, which is on page 908 of the church Bibles. Hosea chapter 11, verses 1 to 4. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to the Baals and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms. But they did not realize it was I who healed them. 
I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek. And I bent down to feed them. The big theme of the message that God spoke through his ear is that God is the one who is faithful. It's a message of God's faithfulness. And yet his people are unfaithful toward him. We're not going to leave it there. Um, But before we move on, I just want to ask a couple of questions. First of all, do we see our existence as coming from God? Do you know him as Father in the sense that he created you, he gave you life and sustains your life? If you're not sure about the answer to that question yet, then I do encourage you to try and listen online to last week's message. you find it on our website and that's really kind of really helpful exploration of, of that question. Secondly, though, do we welcome God's fatherly care of us as those whom he has chosen to set his affections on and treasures as his special people? We'll consider more about that later, but, but notice the themes we've already seen, the theme of rescue, God leading his people out of slavery in Egypt the theme of rest, of investing in, raising, uh, this kind of expressed in that picture of teaching them to walk. Themes of, of lifting up, carrying, feeding. God's generosity in carrying his people. You generally have to lower yourself, don't you, to scoop up a child into your arms and carry them. And God pictures himself This isn't a human idea, this is God's idea. He pictures himself as bending down to carry us. Condescending is a kind of old-fashioned sort of word we might have used in some good old um, songs. God coming down to us, humbling himself, bending down to carry us. Maybe our experience of of earthly fathers is is a painful one and Uh, This kind of topic is quite raw for you. But the fatherhood of God that we're talking about is a good fatherhood. He's a good father, a good God. Do you know his carrying? Can you recognize it? Maybe sometimes we only recognize it afterwards. Do you know God's affection toward you and care for you? Are you living in it, embracing it? Enjoying it? Or are we guilty of spurning God's love and affection, like those Hosea speaks of, rebelling and going away from God, throwing his love back in his face, as it were? So we've noted that in one sense, all human beings are children of God because he is the one who gives all human beings life. We've also seen how God's covenant people, his treasured possession, can be referred to as being the Son of God, enjoying or at least having the potential to enjoy his extraordinary love and affection and tender care. There's another meaning of Son of God, though, another sense in which God is a Father, and that is his eternal Son, the one who was with God in the beginning, before creation, a Son who the Bible also describes as being himself God, one with the Father. John writes in the introduction to his gospel uh, how this eternal son became flesh and made his dwelling among us. 
John writes, chapter 1, verse 14, we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is on page 1063. If you want to follow, verse 18 of John 1, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. When he became fully human, this son was given the name Jesus. And Jesus is a unique son of God in this sense. God the Father has always been a generous father. He has always overflowed with love. Have you ever wondered what God was doing before the creation of the world? How did he kind of keep himself busy, if I can use that expression? What was God up to before the creation of the world? Well, in his prayer in chapter 17 of John's Gospel, Jesus reveals that the Father has eternally loved the Son. Jesus says, you loved me before the creation of the world. God has always existed in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in this eternal union of love. The creation is just an overflow of that. So generous is God that his eternal love bubbles up and overflows into creation. An expression of his generosity, his capacity and desire to give life to many and set his affection on and care for many. That's why we're here, because God is so generous. He overflows in love to creation. So Jesus is a unique, eternal Son of God. In addition to that, though, Jesus can also be referred to as the Son of God in the sense of his becoming the location of the people of God. Now, if you're not already kind of wondering where on earth I'm going, you're going to start to wonder that now, probably. But don't worry, we'll get there. But this is um, perhaps obscure for some, perhaps. But, but actually, it's not obscure at all. It's very relevant and, and really kind of has a powerful implication for us. Jesus can also be referred to as the Son of God in the sense of him becoming the location of the people of God. Uh, This is linked to the verses we've already looked at from the Old Testament part of the Bible. But in chapter 2 of Matthew's Gospel in the New Testament part of the Bible, he takes the phrase that we read in Hosea, out of Egypt I called my son, and he applies that to Jesus. Out of Egypt I called my son, and he said this is fulfilled in Jesus. Now, Matthew isn't saying that it never applied to the nation of Israel as God's people being rescued out of Egypt. But he is saying that this event pointed to something yet to come, which has now happened. It was fulfilled when Jesus, the son, was brought out of Egypt as a child. And if you want to, you can read the events in Matthew chapter 2 if you're particularly interested. We're not going to look at them now. What's important for us in, in our kind of little survey is the implications of this verse for us. Whereas under the old covenant, it was the nation of Israel that represented God's people. Now, that has changed. Now, God's son, God's treasured people, is no longer identified by their being part of the nation of Israel, but by their being connected to Jesus. The fulfillment of Israel in this sense the one Israel pointed towards, Jesus, the one in whom we now find 
our identity. In Jesus, a way is opened up for all of us to know the Father, for all of us to know to be his treasured possession, regardless of our biological ancestry. It doesn't matter who we have descended from. Jesus, as the new location of the treasured possession, covenant people of God, brings people from every nation, even Britain, into that people, to the Father. John writes in the introduction of his gospel, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, Jesus this is, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. And in chapter 12, John recalls Jesus speaking about drawing all people, all people, all nations to himself by his being lifted up to his death on the cross. This is important, significant, exciting, because whoever you are, wherever you've come from, you're welcome here. Jesus Jesus doesn't accept us on the basis of race, nationality, or ancestry. The covenant people of God, the Son of God, in the sense that that phrase was used of Israel, are now found in Jesus. Those who've received him and believed in his name, they are the sons of God who enjoy being his treasured possession. Of course, when we're talking about sons, although that's the language of the passages we've been looking at, of course, women are equally uh, and completely included as well in the treasured possession of God. Male and female together, we enjoy this position in Jesus. In fact, in Galatians, it's kind of linked with that breaking down of Jew and Gentile, those who aren't Jewish. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Remember what God said back in Exodus 19. You will be my treasured possession. You will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Well, now hear the words of 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 to 10. Words which Peter is writing to those who have come from non-Jewish nations, but now know God as Father, having been set apart by the Holy Spirit to believe and obey Jesus. But you, 1 Peter 2, verse 9, but you are a chosen people. Recognize this? A royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now... You have received mercy. In uh, book five of the Harry Potter series, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, J.K. Rowling writes the following. This is uh, of Harry. He could not return to living full time with the Dursleys. Not now that he knew the other world, the one to which he really belonged. Harry has discovered that he belongs in a magical world, but has been suspended from his magic school and banished to the normal non-magic world whilst he awaits his disciplinary hearing by the Ministry of Magic. He can't bear the thought of not returning to the magical world where he belongs. 
and instead living with this family in the non-magic world where he's so out of place. He could not return to living full-time with the Dursleys, not now that he knew the other world, the one to which he really belonged. That, of course, is J.K. Rowling's fictional world. But the need to belong is a real thing. If you followed the news recently, then you're probably aware of the Windrush row, uh, leading to the government apologising for the treatment of some migrants who were here legitimately. One guy uh, telling his story said, I've had all my education in this country, I've worked in this country, I've lived in this country, I'm an Englishman. For him and many others, this is where they belong. And when that's brought into question or doubt, it's been disturbingly unsettling. Another described it as, it's a bit like being a nowhere man. Imagine that feeling. You won't need to convince that generation of immigrants that belonging is important. They know all too well the need to feel accepted and a part of the country that they've grown up and spent their lives living in. What about you, though? How important do you think it is to belong? Do you agree that that having a sense of belonging is a basic human need? Maybe, uh, for whatever reason, you might be put off by the word. But deep down, do you feel that need to belong to somewhere or to someone? Where do you find your sense of belonging? Where is your belonging located? Where is your connection? How secure is it? Might it change? Disappear? Let you down? Where do we ultimately fit? The deeply foundational teaching of the passages we've been considering this morning is that we can find our ultimate sense of belonging to God as his child, his treasured possession. Such is his generosity to us that he gives himself to us as our father who gives us value, security, belonging and love. Are you resting in that place? Are you living out of it? Living in it? If not, why not take the simple step of asking someone in the prayer team this morning or someone else you're comfortable sharing with to pray for you that you would come to know the experience and liberation of knowing your identity rooted in the fatherhood of God? There's another part of the biblical picture uh, of being God's children that we haven't covered yet. And that's the idea that a son becomes like their father in vocation. It's uh, not so familiar to us in our culture, but in the ancient world, that was how it was. What the father does, I do, says Jesus. We're kind of encouraged to be children of light, as God is light. You see the theme throughout uh, the New Testament, this idea that what, we, you know, what the son does, the father does. What the father does, the son does, sorry. So how can we be like our heavenly father in his generosity shown to us in becoming our father? Well, clearly we can't give fatherhood in the same way or belonging to the same degree that he gives it. But we can express father-like characteristics, can't we? 
can we express father-like characteristics that generously reach out and reflect who our father is? We heard last week about safe families and the work that people can do in helping, kind of providing some of the kind of fatherhood, motherhood, don't get hung up on the gender, on those kind of things, you know, those opportunities. We've heard about orphan care globally this morning already. Someone's shared about that. But maybe uh, there's things that you know, God might be laying on someone's heart to be more involved in, in in other ways. Maybe God's nudging someone to become a social worker, get involved in social work and supporting and uh, caring for children in that way. Maybe generously providing belonging to a vulnerable child. Think of all the unaccompanied refugee children who are here at the moment in this city, needing people to care for them, provide homes for them. You could talk to to Sim, he's not here today, but you could talk to Sim about his parents' experience of taking in a a teenage refugee unaccompanied uh, as they're kind of in that challenge right now, in the middle of that. Maybe you could consider fostering, in the the normal sense, a child who isn't a refugee, a child who is in care in our our system. Or or even adoption. There's people who, yeah, we could talk these things through. Uh, I could could point you in the direction of people if if the Lord's laying any of this on your heart. uh, Then I'd be really, really keen to talk to you afterwards and, um, and point you in the direction of people who you could talk to about those different things. Or if you want to do it more discreetly and you can't bear the thought of discussing anything with anyone yet, then take a look at um, Home for Good. There's an organization we support as a church, one of our supported charities. Uh, Their website's on the screen, homeforgood.org.uk. And there's all kinds of resources there you can look into on on caring for unaccompanied minors, refugee minors, uh, on fostering generally, on adoption. There's all kinds of information there. The other website, firstforadoption.org.uk, gives you a link to find agencies and uh, who you could explore adoption further with, if you wanted to do that discreetly. And uh, we're just going to play a video in a moment, because Home for Good um, produce resources um, for uh, Father's Day, which we don't always show that kind of thing, but considering our theme this morning, um, this video I think is really helpful just to paint the idea of how we could be involved in, in sharing the generosity of God in, in providing this fatherly care. Uh, we're going to return in a few uh, weeks' time to this theme of, um, of how God's adopted us in Christ and what that means. We'll think more about that in a few weeks' time. But I want to finish just by really kind of trying to drive home how important it is. You know, on Thursday I had a conversation with someone here who had until, I think, until Thursday, had just kind of thought of uh, the kind of relationship towards God, of just being his child, because he made us. We're all God's children, he made us. But you know, the difference it makes to not just know that you're God's child because he made you, because he gives you life, but you're his child because he's brought you in, he's adopted you in Jesus, in the Son, brought you in to share in that eternal relationship of love. It just changes everything in how we relate to him. That we can call him father in that sense. 
that we're his dearly loved, treasured sons and daughters. As loved as the son has been loved eternally, which would be a ridiculous thing to say if it wasn't the words of Jesus recorded in John's gospel. As loved as the son has been loved. So he has lavished his love on us and invites us in. If you don't yet know that, hey, do you want to think about that? Consider it. But if we do, are we we resting in it, enjoying it, delighting in it, knowing it, knowing the security we have? uh, Some of the passages we'll look at in a few weeks' time say, you know, we're not slaves. We're children. We're secure. It changes things for eternity. We're heirs, co-heirs with Christ because we're sons and daughters. There's so many blessings to, to this teaching about adoption that God has brought us in to share in what he's lavished on the Son for all eternity. If you want to, oops, sorry. If you want to look further, uh, then there's some verses up there, but we'll come back to this in a few weeks' time. Um, for now, um, I'm going to pray and then um, hand over to Peter and the band. Let's pray. I'm going to pray using some prayers from the letter, Paul's letters to the Ephesians. I'm going to be praying using prayers in chapter 1 and chapter 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. That grace that he's lavished on us. And Father, I pray that out of your glorious riches you might strengthen us with power through your Spirit in our inner beings so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith and that we being rooted, belonging, connected and established in love may have power together with all your holy people to grasp how wide and long And high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That we might be filled to the measure of all your fullness. Father, thank you for your great love, your generosity in bringing us in 
to your family and calling us your children. That great love that you've lavished on us. That in Jesus we should be your treasured possession in whom you delight. And as we've already reflected this morning, how that's so entirely of your grace. We know that we're not delightful. But Father, thank you that you choose to delight in us. You set your delight in us. Please help us to know our identity as your children in whom you delight. Give us faith, Father, we pray by your spirit to cry out in our hearts, Abba, Father.